Well, as we get started here this morning, I do want to welcome all of you here live, those of you that are watching online. We can't help but just to take just a moment to reflect on the events in our nation uh, this past week and everything that happened in uh, Texas. Uh, what a sad, sad tragedy. And I know times like this, it makes people you know, wonder, where's God in all this? And Jesus made it very, very clear that in this world you will have trouble. But he said, take heart for I have overcome the world. And he can take anything, anything that Satan has thrown at us and at our nation and our world. And Jesus can turn it around and he can use it for good, the saving of many lives. And so we just need to continue to to pray for the people there in, in Texas, the families that are impacted, the community it was impacted, and just be reminded that this is why it's so important that we do what we do, that we go out and, and we share the good news of Jesus with as many people as we possibly can because we never know that day or the hour that death may be coming for us. So we just got to do our part. Do our part to make sure that the the light of Jesus is shown to as many people as possible. So let's take just a moment and let's, let's pray for the whole situation. Father, we just uh, come to you right now in the name of Jesus and we pray for all the families and, and the community that was impacted there in Texas. And Lord, I just pray that your peace, a peace which surpasses all understanding, would guard their hearts and their minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, I, I pray for the, the followers of Jesus that are there on the ground, the, the churches and the, the individuals that are rallying around everybody. Lord, give them the words to share. And sometimes it's not even words. Sometimes it's just a hug that somebody needs, the, the comfort that they need. And so, Lord, I just pray that Your perfect will would be done here, that, that Lord, You would take what Satan has meant for evil and You would turn it around and You would use it for good. That, Lord, many people would come into a relationship with You as a result of this, this tragedy. Lord, just continue. Continue to have these things at the forefront of our, our own minds. That it could have been us. And do we know that we have done our part to expand your kingdom here in Harrisburg and Hagerstown and Haiti and beyond? So Lord, help us to be your hands and feet. Lord, help us as we're going to learn here today to to start praying some dangerous, dangerous prayers. Prayers that stretch our faith to amazing acts of obedience. Lord, be with us now as we start this new series. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Back at the end of last year, we did a church-wide study, a survey. And many of you participated in it. Many of you online, you participated as well. And one of the things that it did was it was gauging how are we doing collectively as a church body, how are we doing individually as each one of us. And one of the things that the reveal study revealed to us was that prayer is actually one of those areas that we struggle with. And, you know, I, I can sort of relate to why maybe many of you are struggling, something I struggled with for many, many years. You know, you got that thing in the back of your mind, am I saying the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Am I praying the right amount of time? Am I using the right words? You know, am I in the right posture? And then there's this thing like, you may call it like prayer envy. I know I've had some prayer envy in my own life in the past 
When I got saved in 1993, the, the church that I was in, and uh, by the way, Gail is here today helping lead to worship, and Brian was here, but Gail and I, we were a part of a, a church in Maryland together, and uh, we've actually served in many churches together, but our pastor there, his name was Pastor Ken, great man of God, and as I was starting to like uh, really start to grow in my faith, Pastor Ken was taking me under his wing and discipling me. Actually, it was Gail's father-in-law that was taking me under his wing and was discipling me. And I knew that Pastor Ken, he would wake up every single morning at 3 a.m. and he would pray for hours before he'd actually start his work day. And so I thought, well, that's just what you're supposed to do as a Christian. You get up at 3 a.m. and you pray for hours. And so I started doing it. And I got to tell you, my prayer life did not improve. My health, however, did. And the reason I say my health did is because the only way I could stay awake is I had to get up, get outside of the house, and walk around the city where Lisa and I lived just to be able to stay awake because I'm praying. Again, my prayer life didn't improve, but eventually I gave up on it. And I was very envious of Pastor Ken of these people that can just pray for hours and hours and hours on end like that. And then, you know, the, the other thing that, that happened for me was, you know, you, you, you have this envy because you hear people praying and you're like, oh, wow, they, they like really know how to pray. They're really good at, at praying. And I shared with you a couple weeks ago, I confess that, you know, I had this one period of life when I was a new Christian that we would be standing like in a circle holding hands and everybody's going to pray. And I told you guys, I wasn't even listening to other people's prayers. Why? Because I was rehearsing my prayer in my head because I wanted mine to be the good prayer. That like everybody else, because there was like a scorecard like, that you had. Like if you like could like quote some scripture in your prayer, that was like, you got some points for that, right? So I'm like praying, God, no weapon formed against us shall prosper, right? And like, God, you promised that we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. You know, so you're, you're doing that. Now you should actually quote prayer in your scriptures, but I was doing it because it was a game. I was trying to be like seen, right? Like the Pharisees, right? We're not supposed to be like the Pharisees. So I'm like trying to make it a, a game like that. And, and then, you know, you, you've got all these other things that are happening that you're like sort of listening for. The, the church that we were in was a little bit more of a charismatic church. So if you use certain phrases like binding Satan, that like, whoo, boy, you get some points for that. And if you talked about God, let your fire from heaven fall on this place, right? I mean, you know, you, you really got some points if you're praying things like that. And so you're, you're, you're just trying to like do all these things. And again, in my head, there's like this point system, like you're listening for as you're praying, are people actually responding or not? You know, so I'm like praying and if somebody goes, mm, mm, yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like, you, you, get, you get some points for that, right? And if they said amen, even before the end of the prayer, like they're like, amen, brother, come on, yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, woo, yeah, I'm doing good at this prayer. Yes, Jesus. So it'd be my turn to pray, and I'd pray, and I'm screwing all my scriptures and stuff, and nothing's happening. Nobody's saying anything. Nothing's... And I was like, oh, man, I'm so jealous. I'm envious of these people that know how to pray, and it, like, stirs up the crowd. So I, I dealt with that. And then I don't know about you, but, like, when I'm alone, there's times that, like, I can get bored praying, <laughs> or I get distracted praying. And again, I see these people, they've got like a prayer list of 77 things, you know, because that's God's name, you know, seven and seven. Uh, you know, it's just this, this list of all these things I'm praying for. And I get to like number three on the list. And I'm like, okay, you know, I, I'm just being honest, right? Come on, anybody else, do you ever have some things like this? Those of you online, 
can you confess that, you know, sometimes prayer can be a real struggle for us. And, you know, one of the things that I, I think is that part of the reason prayer is a struggle is we've made it too safe. A lot of times when we pray, we pray these very safe, boring, predictable, bland type of prayers. God bless this food. God be with us. Keep us safe as we travel. God be with me today as I take this test at school. God help me today as I go into this meeting at work. Now again, nothing wrong with praying those types of prayers. But prayer's got to go beyond that. More than just boring and safe and predictable. You know, when we do things like that, I think it's almost like going to Elon Musk and saying, hey, can I have a penny? And Elon Musk going, well, sure, here's a penny, but don't you know who I am? I, I'm the, the richest man on the face of the planet. You could ask for me for a million dollars. Why wouldn't you ask for something bold like a million dollars? Now, Elon Musk isn't going to give you a million dollars, by the way. But you should at least ask. Right? And the reason that Elon Musk isn't going to give you a million dollars is because you don't know Elon Musk. You don't have a relationship with Elon Musk. However, as a follower of Jesus, somebody that has asked for his forgiveness and you've asked for his leadership in your life, that you've given him full control of your life, you are now a son or a daughter of the king of the universe. And I think God gets offended by some of our prayers sometimes because he's like, don't you know who I am? Don't you know who you are? Don't you know what I want to give you? Because you're my son, you're my daughter. Why are you asking for just a little? Why don't you pray bigger prayers, more dangerous prayers, these bold types of prayers? So today we're starting a brand new series called Dangerous Prayers. It's based off of a book by the exact same name. And if you have a Bible, we're going to get right into it. Go to Acts chapter 4. That's where we're going to hang out today. Again, I do want to welcome those of you that are watching online with us. And right now in the upper right-hand corner of your screen, you see that there's a little uh, button there called Talk Notes. If you push that, that's going to take you all the scriptures I'm going to look at today as well as the points I'm going to be making. For those of you that are live here in the room, welcome to you as well. And if you go to our website, exponential.church, as Brian, our guest uh, worship pastor today, uh, as he mentioned a little bit earlier, you can find all the same stuff there as well. The scriptures, the fill in the blanks, and you can then actually email yourself all the notes that you take after we're done. All right, so as you continue to turn to Acts chapter 4, let me give you just a little bit of context of what's going to happen here. So this is after Jesus' resurrection. This is after Jesus has spent 40 days on the earth proving to over 500 people that, yes, I'm still truly alive. This is after then that Jesus has ascended back to heaven. This is after then that the Holy Spirit has come, the day of Pentecost, and the church has gotten started. And now what has happened is the believers, the followers of Jesus, they're out and they're, they're preaching about Jesus and they're teaching about Jesus. They're doing miracles in the name of Jesus. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, who were two of Jesus' early disciples, right, two of his followers, they have just healed a man. The man was lame. He hadn't been able to walk his whole life. They, like, heal this man through the power of the Spirit. The man is able to walk. And the religious leaders, they're not very happy about it. And so they arrest Peter and John, and they throw them in the prison. And the next morning at the trial, they ask them, by whose authority are you doing miracles like this? That's where we'll pick it up. Acts chapter 4, verse 10. Peter, and by the way, this is the same Peter who just a couple weeks before 
had denied even knew Jesus. He stands up. He gives this tremendously bold speech. He says this, Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. It's pretty bold, isn't it? You're on trial, and you say to the people that, that hold your future in their hands, you killed Jesus. It was you, but God raised him from the dead. Again, very, very bold. However, what I haven't mentioned to you yet is who Peter is speaking this to. Who did he get arrested by? Uh, it was a group called the Sadducees. Now, we don't talk about the Sadducees a lot here at Exponential. We talk about another group that are close to that name. What is it? The Pharisees, right. And the Pharisees were very fair, you see, right? They were the religious elite of the day. They were the people that thought that they were better and above everybody else. They took all 613 commands of the Old Testament, and not only were they living those out, but they were adding extra rules on top of it. The Pharisees, they were very fair, you see, right? They have their noses up in the air. They think that they're, they're so good. Now, to the credit of the Pharisees, they actually were trying to follow the one true God. They just weren't doing a very good job of it. The Sadducees, on the other hand, these were the religious leaders who were in cahoots with the Roman government. Their religion was nothing but a show. They had gotten all the religious training and everything, but they were sellouts. To them, it was all about the money. And so the, the Romans had put them in charge of, of sort of running everything. And the Sadducees, they were very sad, you see, because they didn't believe in miracles. They didn't believe in anything supernatural. They didn't believe in heaven or hell or angels or demons. And obviously then they didn't believe in the resurrection. They thought that when you die, that's it. Not only is your body dead, but your soul dies as well. Poof, you are gone. And so here you have Peter and John that they're going, you killed Jesus. But God raised them again from the dead. Well, they don't even believe in the resurrection of the dead. They don't even believe in miracles. But yet, there's this rumor going around that this Jesus guy is alive again. And here's this lame man, and he used to be lame, but he isn't lame anymore. He can, he can now walk around. They're not quite sure what is happening. And so in Acts 4.13, we read this. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the what? They saw the, what's it say? They saw the, the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Now, I've shared this with you before. I love this particular verse because of how the little phrase there that they were unschooled ordinary men, that's actually just one Greek word. And that Greek word is idiotes. Which word do you think that we get in English from the Greek word idiotes? Idiots. So they look at Peter and John. They're amazed by the boldness that they have. And they go, these guys are a bunch of idiots. They're idiots. They're unschooled, ordinary men. They're just fishermen. But yet this man is now walking around. And they were amazed by the, the boldness of how they were speaking. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Jesus. 
but they had been with Jesus. So they're not sure, what, what are we supposed to do uh, about these guys? And so they tell him, look, we're going to let you go this time. But stop preaching about Jesus. Stop doing miracles in the name of Jesus. Just stop doing it because next time, not only are we going to arrest you, but there's the potential we'll actually kill you. Stop preaching about Jesus. Now, if you have that kind of threat, that seems like a pretty good time to pray, doesn't it? And that's what Peter and John are going to do. But I want you to notice that Peter and John, they're not going to pray a very safe, predictable prayer of God, protect us. God, help us. They're not going to do that. They're not going to pray and say, well, God, you know, don't, don't let anything bad happen to us. Or God, I, I want to protect my 401k, so I'm not going to say anything, you know, that would get me in the trouble. No, they get released from prison. They gather up with the other believers and they all gather together and they pray a very, very dangerous prayer. Look at Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Here's what they pray. Lord, take notice of the threats that they have made and allow us, your servants, to speak your message with great boldness. In other words, the very thing we are just told not to do, help us to do it with boldness. Help us to keep preaching your word no matter what the personal cost to us may be. Help us to be boldly obedient in going out and sharing your message to fulfill your great commission to go out and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So they pray this incredibly bold prayer. Here's my question to you. How bold is your faith? How bold are you in your faith? Are you like a 7, 8, 9 on the scale of 1 to 10? That people look at you and they go, wow, they are so bold in their faith. And quite frankly, they're an idiot. But they spend time with Jesus and obviously Jesus is doing something through them. Wow, what do they have that I don't have? Is, is that what people say when they see you in your life? Are you acting in that kind of bold faith? Or... Are you more on a scale of like a one, a two, or three in your boldness? That like at work, you know, you've been working with the same person five years, six years, seven years, and one day you just happen to mention that, oh, you know, something happened at church this week. And they go, what? You go to church? I did, we've been working together for seven years. I never knew you went to church. I'm a Christian too. And you're like, you are? In other words, what are they saying when they say, oh, you go to church? What they're saying is, there was no evidence of Christianity in your life. There was no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit in your life. There's absolutely no evidence that Jesus is doing anything great through your life. So where are you on a scale of 1 to 10? How bold are you in your faith? Peter and John and the other believers, they're praying this very, very bold prayer, but they're not done praying yet. Look at Acts 4.30. Lord, show Your mighty power as we heal people and work miracles and wonders in the name of Your holy servant, Jesus. Let me ask you a question. When was the last time you spoke boldly to somebody about Jesus? When was the last time you went and you laid hands on somebody and you prayed that Jesus would heal them? 
When was the last time that you prayed that Jesus helped signs and wonders follow me everywhere that I go? Not for my glory, but for your glory. Let miracles be done in your name every single way, everywhere that I go. Let the people of Harrisburg and, and, and Hagerstown and, and Haiti and all around the world, let them stand up and take notice. Wow, that person must be with Jesus because I know them. They could not do that in their own power. They must have been with Jesus because something great is being done through them. That's the kind of thing that the early believers were praying. That's the type of prayer that we should have. Here's the result of their prayer. Look at verse 31. After this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the Word of God with? With what? With boldness. They're preaching, they're teaching, they're doing miracles with boldness in the name of Jesus. They don't care what happens to them. They don't care that they've been told to stop. They don't care that there's going to be personal cost to them. Because of their relationship with Jesus, because what Jesus had done for them on the cross, they said He gave up His life for us. Now we're going to give our lives back to Him in return. Now I know some of you are going, Gilbert, last week you talked about personalities, and quite frankly, I just don't have a very bold type of personality. But listen to me carefully. From a biblical standpoint, boldness is not a personality trait. Boldness is something that the Spirit of God gives you when you ask for it. Boldness is something that the, the Spirit does in you as you go out and you preach and you teach and you do things in the name of Jesus. So we have got to ask boldly for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives to do great things on God's behalf. I'll give you a couple of examples from my life. Many years ago, Lisa and I, we were doing some marital counseling with a couple, and they were an unsaved couple. And this guy was like at least twice my size. I mean, this guy was big guy. Very intimidating guy. And this guy, part of the reason they needed counseling was he was being physically abusive. He had a severe anger problem, and he would just snap and just get physically abusive with people. And so I'm sitting there on a little like roller uh, office chair, and Lisa's in a chair over here, and this couple's on a sofa right in front of me. And I'm just speaking to this guy. And I mean, I'm, I'm trying to do my best to speak the truth and do it in love, but I'm being pretty blunt and I'm like rolling my little chair forward, like, you know, getting, getting closer and closer to this guy and I'm just giving it to him. And after we were done, we're driving home. Lisa goes, I can't believe you do that. I, I thought at any moment he's going to reach out and just like snap you like a twig. <laughs> and I said, I can't believe I did that either. <laughs> And what was that? That was the boldness of the Spirit. See, I wasn't doing it in my own power. I wasn't doing it in my own strength. I was only speaking the words. I heard the Spirit speaking to me to speak to that man in that time. And I didn't care what cost may happen to me. I knew that's what I needed to speak. And so I did it. Or the, the time that there was a guy who literally had a heart attack during the middle of our service. And I was speaking that day and so I just let it go and kept preaching because that's what we... No, I'm kidding. No, what do you do if somebody has a heart... I mean, literally, this guy had had a couple heart attacks in the past. He literally, he's like clutching at his heart and he like plops over. And so I told the church, I said, stop and, and we need to start praying right now. And I'm praying, God, heal Charlie. Heal him. 
heal him. And God says, you do it. Yeah, you. So down off the platform I went, laid hands on him, and prayed in the name of Jesus that he be healed. By the time the doctors got there, the ambulance got there, he was sitting up perfectly fine. They, they're like doing blood pressure. They're doing all kinds of, fine. You're going, I, I couldn't be bold like that. I couldn't do something like that. You know what? You can't, and I couldn't either. Everything that I just shared with you in those stories, that was God's Spirit working through me. And God's Spirit wants to work through you as well. But you got to be bold. You got to pray some bold prayers. Not this safe, predictable things that we do so often. God bless this food and God help me with this. No, what are you praying that is bold? What are you doing that's bold? See, God can give you the boldness to share your faith in those times that you don't think that you have the right words. God can give you the, the boldness to go up to somebody that's sick and lay your hands on them and pray that they be healed. God can give you the boldness to speak up for injustices that we see in our community. God can give you the boldness to not just invite somebody to come to church with you, but actually to bring somebody to church with you. You know, there's a difference, right? Because many of you, you do good. You invite people all the time. But eventually, maybe you're going to get that, that boldness to go, you know what, next Sunday... I'm not just inviting you. I'm actually coming to your house. I'm going to knock on the door. I'm bringing you to church with me. Now, don't do that unless God's told you to do that. But that's the type of boldness I'm saying. See, again, we play it too safe. We're like, I couldn't do something like that. I'll just keep inviting him. But if God tells you to do something bold like that, then you need to do it. You need to act in faith. God can give you the boldness to talk differently and dress differently and act differently than everybody else in the world. That we don't act according to the ways of the world, we act according to the ways of the Word. So learn to pray, God, make me bold. And that's what Peter and John did. They're praying this prayer, make us bold. And so they continue preaching about Jesus and they keep trusting that God is going to do miracles. Well, guess what? The Sadducees, they're not happy again. So they have them arrested. We'll pick up the story in Acts chapter 5, verses 18 to 20. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But an angel of the Lord came at night, opened the gates of the jail, and brought them out. Then he told them, go stand in the temple, and keep on telling the people the whole message about this life that they can have. Listen, when you pray this prayer of God, make me bold, there are three things that I guarantee are going to happen in your life. So if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that's going to happen. Number one, my boldness will trigger spiritual opposition. I mean, think about it. This is now twice in the span of, you know, a week or two that Peter and John have been arrested for speaking about Jesus. Satan isn't happy. And I've tried to share this with you before, and I'll keep sharing it with you that when you become a Christian, that is not a ticket to just a comfortable life. When you become a Christian and you're truly living boldly for Jesus, Satan isn't going to be happy about that. One of my favorite sayings is this, if you're not having a head-on collision every single day with the devil, then chances are you're going in the same direction he is. Let me say that again. If you're not having a head-on collision with the devil every single day, 
then chances are you're going in the same direction that he is. And I've said this to you before in the past as well. The purpose of life is not to arrive safely at death. By the way, as you check in on Facebook, and I always tell you, you know, do some quotes or something, there's two right there that you could put on your Facebook check-in. The purpose of life is not to arrive safely at death. We play it too safe. We play it too predictable. We try to protect ourselves. When Jesus has gone, no, 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 no. You need to go out and give up your life. Give up your life on my behalf. Do what's uncomfortable. And so again, when you pray, God, make me bold, Satan's going to be mad, and I just want you to be prepared for it. Number two then, my boldness is often what God is waiting on for him to move miraculously. I actually love this uh, a couple of scriptures that we just read here. Because Luke is the author of Acts. He, he writes that then an angel showed up, opened the prison door, and out they went. Really matter-of-factly, he just sort of writes this. Angel showed up, opened up the prison door, out they went. If I was writing this, I'd have been like, guys, you're not going to believe what happened next. I mean, an angel, like a 20-foot tall angel, like, wow, he showed up and he like opens, rips the door off, right? And we all like walked out, glory to God. I mean, I would have like exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point, right? But Luke's just like, nope, angel showed up, opened up the door, and out they went. You know why I think that is? They were so living in the power of the Spirit they were praying for boldness every single day. They were living with boldness every single day. The angels showing up and doing miraculous things, it had sort of become second nature. It's like, yeah, another angel showed up today, did something great on it. I mean, that, that's just how it was. Wouldn't it be cool if we were seeing signs and wonders and miracles and angels are showing up? All this thing was so happening so much that we almost took it for granted. No, don't take it for granted. But wouldn't that be cool? If we saw God moving in our midst so much, why doesn't God do that? It's because He's waiting on us to act. we got to do our part in order for Him to do His part. And that's what Peter and John were doing. Listen, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And everything that He did for the apostles is something that He wants to do through us as well. And so start doing your part and trust that God will do His part. Pray for boldness. And the next thing you know, God is going to show up and start showing off. He's going to start to use you in ways that you never dreamed or hoped or imagined. But you've got to pray, God, make me bold. Number three, my boldness will require faith that must lead to obedience. You've got to pray this prayer of God, make me bold. Again, it's a dangerous prayer. But you've got to pray this prayer of God, make me bold. But you can't just stop there. Because once then God gives you a direction to go, something to do, you actually have to, in faith, walk in obedience. You have to take that next step, whatever it happens to be. Now, after the angel let Peter and John out of the prison, the angel tells them to go and to preach in the temple. 
In other words, the very thing that has gotten you arrested twice in the past week, the very thing that you've been told, if you keep doing it, we're going to kill you. The angel says, go do that. That's what I want you to do. In Acts chapter 5, verse 21, we read this. The apostles obeyed, and at dawn they entered the temple and started teaching. And that kind of amazing boldness, that laid the foundation for what boldness should look like for every single follower of Jesus. We have the example of what it should be from the early disciples. And again, nothing has changed. Everything that they did are the same things that we should be doing. The reason you and I are here today is because men and women throughout the years and the centuries, they have been bold in their faith. That's why we're here. Amazing boldness of people like Peter and John. So how did God reward them? You go I mean, if, if they were acting so, so boldly like that and in such faith, God must have rewarded them, right? And yes, let me tell you what happened. Peter, he ends up marrying his high school sweetheart. John, he meets a girl online and they ended up having like a nice little chapel service in Jerusalem. All of them then, they go off on this like exotic honeymoons Fantastic, like every day on Instagram and Facebook, they're posting pictures of like, like the mountains and the oceans and the seas. And I mean, it's just like this fantastic trip that they're having. Afterwards then, Peter and John riding the wave of the, of the resurrection and all the miracles and everything that's happening. Peter and John, they decide to start a little consulting firm together to help churches and individuals to live your best life now. And it sort of like really takes off and it grows. And eventually they take the company public. And at age 50, Peter and John, these ordinary fishermen who had given up everything to follow Jesus, they are so blessed that they sell their company for millions and millions and millions of dollars. And they retire with their kids and their grandkids. They just spoil them. They just live the easy life. And they all lived happily ever after. You guys are giggling because you know that's not what happened. So what is the story? How did God reward Peter and John for their boldness and their faithfulness, their obedience? Well, John, he, he kept preaching Jesus and he kept getting arrested and whipped and beaten. And eventually one day they decided, you know what? We're done. We are going to kill him. Enough empty threats. We're going to kill him. And they took him and they dipped him down into boiling oil. thinking he was going to die, but he didn't. He didn't die. And so they brought him back out, and they said, life sentence for you. And so John spent the remainder of his life locked up in the Isle of Patmos in a prison. Now, thankfully for us, he did live because he ends up writing a couple more books that we have in the New Testament, and ultimately Jesus makes an appearance to him. And John writes the book of Revelation. Peter, how did he get rewarded? He keeps preaching Jesus. He keeps doing miracles in the name of Jesus. He's traveling in the name of Jesus. Like John, he was beaten. He was whipped. All kinds of stuff happened to him through the years. And ultimately, he was in Rome, and the Roman government were just fed up with him. And they said, 
You want to be like Jesus? All right, we'll make you like Jesus. We're going to hang you on a cross. So they decided to crucify him. But Peter said, I do not deserve to be killed in the same way that my Lord was killed. Can you please crucify me upside down? Now, I've shared with you in the past, the the pain of crucifixion is just so severe. What happens to the body? In fact, a, a new word had to be invented just to describe it. It's the word excruciating. X out in crux, cross, out of the cross. This tremendous pain. Excruciating pain. And from what I understand, being crucified upside down will be even more painful than right side up like Jesus was. That was the reward. Let me ask you a question. Long term, who's going to have the bigger reward? I mean, for eternity, who's going to have the bigger reward? Somebody like Peter and John? Who gave up their life for the sake of Jesus and His mission? Don't you think that their reward in heaven is going to be a lot bigger and a lot greater than those of us that are just playing it safe? Trying to just make it safely to death? Praying these very bland, predictable prayers of God bless me, God help my family. God, Again, those things are fine. You should be praying about those. But what types of prayers are you praying in bold faith, trusting that God is going to use you to do something great on His behalf? Are you praying those types of prayers? Again, they're dangerous prayers. Don't get me wrong, they are dangerous prayers. But ultimately, if you really want to live, if you really want to have a, a life, that's what it's about. Living fully for Jesus, trusting Him in all things, walking in obedience to what He has to say, even though Satan's going to be on your back. Satan is going to be happy. you know one of the things that, actually this may even have come from Pastor Ken. I may have heard him say this originally. He's like, every day when you wake up, the devil should go, oh, crap. They're awake. Satan knows that you are going to live fully for Jesus. It's my hope, my encouragement, my prayer for you is that we would start praying and living out this dangerous prayer. God, make me bold. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity we've had to to come together to worship you and to look at your word and see the tremendous boldness and courage and faith of people like Peter and John. And Lord, just, wow. They trusted you with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then they went out and they were loving their neighbors just as much as they loved themselves. And how were they doing that? They were doing it by having an attitude of Jesus. I will do anything short of sin to make sure that every single man, woman, boy, and girl can hear the name of Jesus. Know the gift, the offer of eternal life that Jesus gives. Lord, they were acting in boldness, laying hands on people and and, and helping people through signs and miracles and, and wonders. Because they knew that 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 action would glorify you and that the people would look and go, wow, something is happening there. Who is this God that you serve? And so, Lord, my my prayer is that for each and every person that's 
here in this room and watching online or those that may be watching in the future, that Lord, every single one of us would start living with that type of boldness. That we wouldn't be safe and predictable any longer. But we would just say, Jesus, here I am. And since you gave up your life for me, I'm willing to give my life in return for you. So I'll go wherever it is you want me to go. I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. I'll say whatever it is you want me to say. I'll give whatever it is you want me to give. I'll serve whatever it is you want me to serve. And yes, it may cost me, but I don't care. I don't care because it's all worth it. In long term, the eternal reward will be so much greater than if I'm just living for the earthly rewards of right here and right now, which as Scripture says, it's just going to be tested by fire and most of it's going to burn and not last. So help us to do only things that are going to last forever. Lord, we know that ultimately what that is is helping people come to know you and grow in a relationship with you. So help us to fulfill your great commission to us to go and make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. Let life be about nothing else but that. Thank you, Jesus, that you're going to use normal, ordinary, unschooled idiots like us to make a tremendous difference for you. I pray all this in the great and the holy name of Jesus. Amen.